You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M, and today... We now know a little bit more about the upcoming NFL Draft, what direction it's heading in, where it is going, and how Pro Day will actually be replaced. It actually still is going to go on, but it won't be the way that you probably think. We'll be discussing that and much, much more on today's show. Before we begin, make sure you're following me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this a more quality-sounding podcast Monday through Friday Give me a follow, give me a shout out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th man related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, or listen every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. All right, so the NFL Combine was supposed to be this week. Now, this is not uncommon. It usually goes anywhere between the last week of February to the first week of April. And there still are some type of combine things going on down at like Exos in Dallas, uh, down at uh, COSA. I, I don't know where that one's located, uh, but there's there's a few different places across the country right now where there is stuff going on with these players and prospects who have moved themselves into that facility or an apartment complex nearby to train and better suit themselves for the upcoming NFL draft. But there is no combine that we're so used to seeing, so used to having our attention glued to, very similar to what we have with the Senior Bowl this past year, where the camera is there. We may not be there, but we're at least seeing it live. That will not be the case. There's just too much going on with COVID-19 right now to where they feel like it is a cesspool of potential massive outbreaks, sickness, uh, that could lead to health concerns when it comes to drafting a player, when it comes to, you know, seeing what the prospect has. So they're not doing it this year. And everyone's like, well, why didn't they do it? You know, why did they do it last year? They didn't do it this year. Well, this one's very simple. Uh, last year, COVID-19 and the uh, stay-at-home quarantine protocol did not go into effect until uh, I believe it was March 15th. And the combine was like February 26th, 27th. So they had more time. It was more time for these players and these prospects to, uh, you know, to to be out. And they got to meet with the NFL teams. And they got to go out and they got to meet with these coaches and meet with these scouts and meet with these GMs and get the questions that were asked of them. And then Pro Day didn't happen last year, but Pro Days will happen this year. So it's kind of a double entendre where you switch it. One side is not going to be around, unfortunately, which really stinks for these players, because in Indianapolis, you have all the drills, you have, you know, your times, you, you you know what you're running, you know what you're doing. And then you have these other players who will have an opportunity to show off their stuff at the same level as their teammates who would have been invited to Indianapolis, and these players wouldn't have been able to go. But it doesn't really matter because the NFL Combine still is going on. This year, according to reports uh, told by Tom Pelissero of ESP, I mean, of NFL Network, there will be a combine. And what it basically will be is a pro day, 
but with ultra also virtual meetings for these certain players. 321 players total were invited. Texas A&M will be well represented in these meetings, in this process, uh, after their pro day on March 30th in College Station. Names include quarterback Kellen Mond, wide receiver Jamon Osmond, offensive tackles uh, Dan Moore and Carson Green. You also have, I think, Jared Hawker will be there. Bobby Brown will be uh, will be invited. Buddy Johnson at the linebacker spot and Anthony Hines. The one player that did not receive an invitation was Ryan McCullum. So, for those of you still wondering, what does all of this mean? Basically, and long story short. These players will meet with scouts. They will meet with several coaches. They will meet with the personnel via Zoom. That is how scouts will come and travel to the facilities. That's how players will come and travel. They will post the numbers and send those out to scouts. So the difference is that the combine and the pro day are one and the same. The combine is going on exponentially a guy like Ryan McCullum has to explode with his numbers has to engorge with his film because he's not going to be able to talk to scouts unless scouts reach out to his agent that is how he will be able to get in contact with people but let's flip the channel these scouts and these coaches they will not just get the numbers, they will also meet with these players via Zoom and they'll have a better look at who the player is. Because one of the biggest things I don't think people understand when it comes to these drafts is, oh yeah, we're going to go ahead and draft a guy because of his speed. And oh my God, we're going to go ahead and pick a guy because of he has strength. But part of the interview process is dealing with people. I mean, does anyone remember Ruben Foster? The Alabama linebacker who was... Considered by many a top three player in the draft class. And actually probably was a top 10 player after his rookie year. Anyone remember what happened to him at the Combine? How he flipped on a, uh, on a, on a personnel member who was trying to give him his physical. And they caught him with... Uh, steroids, I believe it was. He was not only banned from the combine, it hurt his draft stock and it showed a negative spotlight, which eventually led to his release one year into his rookie deal with the San Francisco 49ers. Anyone remember him? Yeah, that's important. Everyone always talks about how, you know, a player's skill is so great. Yeah, well, they're off the field demeanor is it as well. If you see a guy who's acting lazy in, you know, in the meetings and just, you know, they ask you, so tell me what was about one of your games and they seem annoyed to be there and they seem that that's marked. Why would a coach want to coach that? Because of you're trying to explain something to them. Every single time people talk about this, it always, you know, infuriates me because of as human beings in general, we cannot go into job interviews or go into office spaces or meetings or, you know, go into press conferences and just, well, yeah, I did this in school. Is that it? Need anything else? We would not get the job. We would not be even close 
to being considered for a job. Meanwhile, and a big meanwhile in that matter, this is the job interview. Playing in the NFL is a job interview. And the hiring coordinator, CFO, all of that, yeah, same thing. Football is a great sport. It's also a business. And at the NFL level, it's 100% a business. College, nah, I mean, yeah, there's the business side of things. I mean, everyone has it. But there's no CEOs. There's no GMs. There's athletic directors. There's SIDs. There's coaching staffs. There's boosters who will you know have a say because of their donating money. There's that. There's not a, you know, a CFO. There's not a GM. There's not these people that you're going to talk to on a consistent level who then come out and say, oh, hey, yeah, um, because of your attitude, your grade has dropped, and I'm going to tell every single person in the realm of coaching, the realm of front offices, yeah, don't draft this guy. We just had an interview with him, and it went terrible. Because if he had an attitude. So congratulations. Companies talk. NFL teams talk. So many scouts started out together on one team. And they've moved up the ranks. Every single year, somebody offers you something. Hey, you want to come scout for us with the Rams? Okay, next year. Hey, you want to come with us to New England? Hey, you want to move up to be our director of scouting in four years? After that, hey, you want to become the next director of player personnel at Seattle? Hey, Scott Fritter, do you want to become the next GM of the Carolina Panthers? That's how it works. And those relationships that you build with scouts, if you have a good one with them, guess what? You are definitely going to be speaking to them. Hey, I really like this kid from A&M. I heard that you guys interviewed with him. What do you say? Well, dude, don't. No. So it's really important for these guys. It's even more important for a guy like Jamon Osbin. Because if he didn't play this year, same with Anthony Hines, they're going to be on campus. They're going to be there for the very first time since they opted out. This is their one shot. They would have been invited to the combine in Indianapolis. They would have been able to sit down with coaches. They would have been able to have that conversation. And that's going to be a big one. Like, that's a big conversation. I don't think people realize with those two specifically... Second question probably asked is, why did you opt out? Because if your numbers are not Jamar Chase, your numbers are not Micah Parsons, you are not in the same level as them. And your stock could have immensely been boosted if you would have played. So why did you opt out? There's going to be that question. And those two better have the answers for it. But it's a good thing that they will that they will have the opportunity because of without it, you're going off film and you're going off numbers. The last time either of them played, Osborne was productive as the number one. Honestly, number two, because if Jalen Widemeyer and Anaya Smith both had really good years, and Jalen Widemeyer technically was the number one receiver, receiving option at least, with touchdowns. And you're going to look at that, and Hines was okay as a coverbacker. They needed this, and now they will have it. Not only will college basketball and the NCAA tournament be around, and not only will baseball be back around, because I mention those a lot, but people are starting to find fun ways to make bets, and one of the best bets you can make out there right now 
is the draft selection in the NFL draft on April 29th through May 1st. So when you go place down your bet on seeing where Justin Fields will land and the odds of him to go to a certain team, make sure you go to the one place you love and the one place you trust, and that's betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag gives you the best lines, the best bets, the best payouts, and the best scores with all their up-to-date highlight information if you follow them on social media at BetOnline underscore AG. And when you step into the action, make sure you use the promo code LOCKEDON to save 50% off with a welcome bonus from the people on your very first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbooks experts. Lock on Aggies, presented by the Lock on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M. Why not listen to a show that gives you all the updated information around the realm of sports in 30 minutes or less? If you want to listen to that, go listen to Locked On today. Peter Bukowski breaks down all the major events happening each and every day in the realm of sports, including college football and college basketball. Subscribe to our new Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast listening systems. So, I brought this up on yesterday's show, and I'll bring it up again. Kellen Mond, he's an enigma. It's amazing to me how this man is getting ridiculed for living out his NFL dream. I mean, legitimately, go onto Twitter right now and type in Kellen Mond. I promise you, it'll all be the exact same thing. It'll be a quote tweet, and it will be Chris Sims' QB rankings, because on to Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday. On Wednesday this past week, he released his QB rankings. And the world went bonkers. Not only because if he put Zach Wilson from Brigham Young as his number one quarterback, something that a few scouts out there have started to actually realize over Trevor Lawrence because of the super arm strength that he possesses deep downfield which is a trait that a lot of QB scouts and a lot of teams want, especially with the success of a guy like Josh Allen. Now, naturally, uh, Trevor Lawrence was the number two quarterback, and I think that everyone can argue if he's at least not your number two, you you messed up. Like, you, you messed up. I'll, I'll give any single person out there who puts a different quarterback as number one. My number two quarterback going into this year's draft, I'll just let you know right now, is Trey Lance. I very much like Trey Lance. I like his skill set. I like exactly what he brings. I like his footwork. And he's got a zip on the ball that's incredible. I do. I like Trey Lance a ton. But my number one is Trevor Lawrence. I mean, at that point, if I send anyone else after that, I am wrong. I am 100% wrong in that situation. Number three was Mac Jones, which again, is getting a lot of hype. And we're going to talk about him in the next segment. My number four was Kellen Mond. Mond outranked Trey Lance, my number two, and he outranked Justin Fields. He also outranked Kyle Trask, Sam Ellinger, Felipe Franks, Jamie Newman, all these players. Mond again, he had a great time down in Mobile. There was a lot of, I've talked to about four or five scouts. There was a lot of erratic throws by him during practice but there was a lot of good throws by him during practice. And in the game, when it mattered, he scored a pair of touchdowns. That is what you look for. He was a mixed player throughout the week. A lot of positives, a couple negatives, a lot of good in the game. And the game, again, people always complain about, like, like, listen, I've done, since I was 21, I have gone to the Senior Bowl. This was the very, this second time 
since I was 21 because of COVID. And unfortunately I wasn't able to afford it. I did not go down to Mobile. I go every year. I see people. I talk to scouts. I meet with people in this business who I have a good relationship with. And they tell me straight up. And when I used to cover, you know, A&M full time at my other job, I would always ask about prospects. And going into last year, I remember asking a scout from an NFC South team. I will not name what team, what you think of Kellen Mond. And they all said the same thing. Big arm, lots of mechanical flaws. Big arm, lots of mechanical flaws. And you look at Kellen Mond and that's kind of what he is. And there have been articles, there have been stories, there have been, you know, reports out there that he is the wild card. He is the wild card of this draft class. And I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, he is. There's no other way to put this. Kellen Mond is 100% the wild card of the draft class. Because if I do believe that this was not on him this season. Let's think about this for a second. What did he have in 2018 and at least for part of 2019? He had a vertical threat. Kendrick Rogers was slower than Courtney Davis and Jamon Osmond, but his size allowed him to be a more downfield target. And he wasn't that slow. I mean, he ran a 4-5. But his physicality, his breakaway you know, speed, his overall strength against smaller defenders, it allowed him to be a vertical option. A&M, they had a vertical option this year. They had one to replace Rodgers immediately. It was Caleb Chapman. Caleb Chapman showed he could be a vertical threat in the first two games of the season. And then he culminated it off in game three against Florida, where he broke away for that big 45-plus yard touchdown in the end zone. And his last play of his year, because he tore his ACL. And he was out for the year after that. But he showed he could be the guy. And that is why I do think that Chris Sims is a big fan of his. Now, real fast, we'll go a couple more just quick hits real fast when you talk about Chris Sims and what he can do. Chris Sims, back in 2017, when he was still at Bleach Report, predicted that Patrick Mahomes was going to be the star quarterback. He was going to be better than than Deshaun Watson. He was going to be better than Mitchell Trubisky. He was going to be better than... um, any quarterback that came out the next year. And he also said that by the time this is all said and done, Mahomes will be the one people most remember from the NFL draft class. What is Patrick Mahomes right now? What is he? He is the best player in football. According to legitimately almost every single person. There's two options. You go Aaron Donald because if you like defenders, where you go Patrick Mahomes, and there's not really a second. Yeah, yeah, Tom Brady. Oh, he's around. Oh, that's cool. No, he's not the best player in football anymore. He isn't. It's Patrick Mahomes or it's Aaron Donald. And a discussion. The following season, he shocked the world. He upset everybody for saying this. I think Lamar Jackson's one of the best quarterbacks in this draft class. I think him and Josh Allen are going to be the ones that make the, make a big, big name for themselves. What? Chris Sims is a moron because of we were a Benedict Darnold to Lance Sam Darnold, or we were a hater for Baker, and what are we talking about today? Sam Darnold potentially being traded this offseason because it's a new head coaching staff. Baker being a middle-tier quarterback. 
Josh Allen finishing with more first place votes in the MVP race in 2020 than Patrick Mahomes. And Lamar Jackson winning an MVP in his second year. Oh, look at that. I wonder what happened. Meanwhile, the guy that everyone said had a shot at being the best quarterback in the class, which was Josh Rosen, is on the practice squad for a team. Three years into the NFL, he is on a practice squad. Top 10 pick. That's on him. That's on a lot of other things, but I digress. 2019. Kyler Murray was number one. Drew, uh, Drew Locke was number two. 2020. Justin Herbert, number one. Joe Burrow, number two. Tua Tungavailoa, number four. You could argue that going into next year, the number one quarterback from the 2020 class is Justin Herbert. The number two quarterback in the class is Joe Burrow. The number three quarterback in the class is Tua Tungavailoa. Now again, all three drafted top six. All three could be franchise quarterbacks. There's no denying that. But they all have something in common. The number one quarterback is a guy with a bigger arm. And that's been it. Zach Wilson has a bigger, stronger arm than Trevor Lawrence. Mond has a stronger arm than Justin Fields. It's erratic. It's not, you know, on point all the time. But it's stronger. And if you can fix that problem, if you can fix having a weaker arm, I mean, an erratic arm, you can fix the mechanics and the flaws that come with it, well, you're not going to lose that zip. You're not going to lose that power. So now you are not only a strong arm quarterback, you're an accurate one. And that's why I don't think enough people are looking at when you look at Kellen Mond, he has something that a lot of these quarterbacks don't. Power. Pure power. Coming up, Kellen Mond versus Mac Jones. Why are they so close when they're two different players? I'll give you my reasoning in just a quick moment. Lockdown Aggies presented by the Lockdown Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M. Go behind the scenes of the games you love and get all these sideline stories with Rejecting the Screen podcast right here on LOP. Each week, Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko get personal while interviewing players, coaches, media members, all the people who make the NBA happen. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcast listening systems. Okay, so I'm just going to come out and say it. Um, the funniest part of Chris Sims's rankings, which by the way, I have a ton of respect for Chris Sims. Chris Sims knows this. I've interviewed him before. I've met him multiple times. He is a fantastic person. And you may not always agree with his takes, but the guy is a really solid dude. I totally would back him up on a lot of his quarterback takes because of, again, the best people who know these positions aren't just the ones that scout them. They're the ones that have played it, and they also know that factor that kind of goes into it. Not saying every quarterback needs to do it, but Chris Sims is definitely one who I will take his word more often than not on these quarterbacks than a lot of people probably give him credit for. But the funniest thing I had was not that you have two quarterbacks in Kellen Mond and Zach Wilson garnering these headlines as QB4 and QB1. The funnier part to me was... Where is QB3? It's Mac Jones out of Alabama. 
Now, listen, I have ties to Alabama. Everyone knows this by now. I have ties to A&M. Everyone knows this by now. I don't play favorites. I think both programs are on the rise. I think both programs are in a great spot. And I'm going to leave it at that. But Mac Jones is on this list because of his production. That's it. Kellen Mond is on this list because of his raw potential. What makes me so baffled in this list is Mac Jones played in 17 uh, college football games. Mond played in 39, 40, I think. And yeah, he had a 7-5 year. He had an 8-4 year. He split reps his, his first year with uh, Nick Starkle, and he finished 9-1 this year. 9-1. I mean, I'm, I'm, there's enough games to where you can put Justin Fields in that same conversation. But the reason I think Chris Sims put Mac Jones at number three and Kellen Mott at number four is because of that is what the NFL is looking for. I think the NFL is still a little bit afraid of these dual threat mobile quarterbacks who are just mobile. Lamar Jackson is an anomaly. I mean, and the crazy thing is, is that Lamar Jackson is not a terrible quarterback. He is a fantastic runner. And when he does make good throws, they're fabulous. The problem is, is that he's too inconsistent. You know who else was too inconsistent? Kellen Mond. So these dual threat quarterbacks that we see, there's a limitation to them, I think personally. I also think that a guy like Lamar Jackson, he's going to have a stellar career in the NFL and he's going to earn a second contract, probably worth $210 million with the Baltimore Ravens. And after that second contract, he plays one more year and he's done. Because unfortunately, the problem is quarterbacks like that last so little. A quarterback like Mac Jones, who does not run, who stays in the pocket, who would rather take the hit than try to make a player miss him in the open field, have 13, 15, 17 years. And that's just the quota of the NFL. And I do think the NFL needs to learn that this is no longer a pocket-passing-only game. There's multitude of quarterbacks, there's multitude of players, there's multitude of talent that comes in based off of a certain system that works. Not every system is going to cater to what Mac Jones does well. Not every system is going to be a great system for Kellen Mond. One is a pocket-passing guy with an intermediate arm, will connect across the middle of the field, high connection, uh, accuracy rating, completion rating. One is a dude who's erratic, but oh my God, if you get it downfield, good luck. Woo! And you know which one is which. Mac Jones is the conservative. Kellen Mond is the anomaly. And one is probably going to go top 15, and one is probably going to go round four or five as of right now. Both are going to go drafted, but who's going to last? What's funny is, is that back in 2016, we kind of saw this and ended on this. We saw in 2016, a quarterback with starts, I'll give him that, but lower level starts. 
started earning his way up the draft line. He started making a big name for himself because of his arm, because of his awareness, because he was so great at, you know, sitting in the pocket and then delivering a strike. But he was mobile enough to just avoid the pressure, step up and make a big time play. And he went in the first round. A team was willing to move heavens and earth and hell to get him. And they traded in this offseason after five years. That's Carson Wentz. Meanwhile, there was a quarterback that played in the Southeastern Conference that we all know very well, who was expected to be a fringe backup, had a terrible, absolute dog crap preseason. But in the final game, had to step up, and in the very first game of the season, had to step up to replace the starting quarterback. Not only did he win Rookie of the Year, he took his team to the number one seed in the NFC. And since then, he has been fighting to prove each and every season to that dang organization he's worthy of a massive contract extension. Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott has a better arm than Carson Wentz. Dak Prescott is more mobile than Carson Wentz. Dak Prescott has better vision than Carson Wentz. Mac Jones maybe, quote-unquote, better statistically than Kellen Mond. And Justin Fields may be, quote-unquote, better statistically than Kellen Mond. Mond's got the better arm. What outlast? That's the question for you. That's good for this edition of Locked on Aggies. We will be back on Monday recapping Aggie basketball. It will likely be the season finale against Arkansas. Will AM and end on the right note above 500 because of right now we're sitting at 8-8. Or will they be below by 500 entering the SEC tournament? We'll talk much, much more then. See you on Monday. And remember, look at me all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.